Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is October 30th. Today we're going to continue in this week's Come Follow Me block. Yesterday we talked a little bit about the cultural and historical significance behind the book of Hebrews. And we talked a little bit about verses one and two, but I'm going to jump back into one and two in order to make verse three make a little bit more sense. So starting in verse one, it says, God, who at the sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the world. So he's talking about God, who he is, that he's always called prophets, but that in these times, in the meridian of times, he called and gave his son to stand and to speak and to testify, and that it was his son that is heir of all things and creator of all the worlds. So keep that in mind as we go into verse three, that God is talking about the father, and then he's also talking about the son and Christ's relationship to the father. So in verse three, it says, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So in this verse, it says that Christ is in the brightness of God's glory. He is in the express image of God's person and upholding all things by the word of his power. So all that he does, he does by and through the power of God. And after he had completed the atonement and purged us of our sins, he went and sat down at the right hand of God. Now, something that I really love about this verse, let's just kind of jump up at the beginning, is when it says that Christ is in the express image of God and God's person, right? I think that there are a couple of ways to take that. First of all, the words express image here in Greek, the original translation is much more like likeness rather than image. In fact, the same Greek word here is the same word for a reproduction. Now, I think that that's important because let's go all the way back in the Old Testament. Remember the very first week of Old Testament when we studied Genesis. In Genesis 1 verse 36, when talking about the creation, it says that we are made in the image and in the likeness of God. And I think that that matches here really well, given the Greek translation of the word express image. It makes it seem, or the word makes it seem like it is not just a physical likeness or a physical image, but it's also a character reproduction. In fact, the Greek word here is character. Our word character comes from that same word. And I think that this is so important for us to understand. We talked about it clear back in Genesis when we talked about being made in the image and likeness of God. You know that I love two words together in the Bible when it seems like they're the same word. I love to dive into it and see the differences between the two words to help me understand why the word was used twice in a row. So I did that with Genesis 1.26 when it says that we're created in the image and in the likeness of God. Those have to mean two different things, otherwise it wouldn't use both words. And so, yes, we are in a physical image of our Father in heaven. And Christ is made in the physical image of his Father in heaven. 
This is so unique and distinct to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Part of the Nicene Creed was declaring that God was everywhere and nowhere, that he doesn't have a body of flesh and bones, that he can be everywhere and nowhere all at once, right? Well, we believe that God has a body of flesh and bones, and that when it says that Christ is in the express image of God, that is literally and figuratively true, that Christ is as God is, with a physical, tangible body of flesh and bones. And that's true for us too, right? We are made in the likeness and image of God. But there is a distinction between likeness and image, both in Genesis and here in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Christ was not just in the physical image of God, although he was, and that is important to our theology and to our doctrine, but he was also in the likeness of God, a reproduction of God, the same character as God. And that is so important for us to understand, especially in our modern day world. I think for a lot of people, it's easier to connect to and relate to Jesus Christ as someone who lived here on the earth, who we have stories about him and his character and his love and his tenderness and goodness and mercy. We have those stories. Meanwhile, people relate their idea of God only to things like the flood in Noah's time or other seemingly vengeful things of the Old Testament. And so people in our modern day society tend to maybe connect a little more with Jesus, the compassionate, loving side that we could see that we have stories about, and they kind of disconnect maybe a little bit with God. They lose sight of God as a loving father in heaven. But what they don't see and what they don't remember is that even Christ said he did things that he saw the Father do, that everything that he did was the character of God. And so we can look to Christ. We can look to his character. We can look to his love. We can look to his goodness and mercy and compassion. And if we're willing, we can see our loving Heavenly Father in those actions. Because as it says here, Christ is in the express image, not just physically, but also has the likeness and the character of God. Listen to how Elder Holland taught this principle in his talk, The Grandeur of God. He said, Of course, the centuries-long drift away from belief in such a perfect and caring father hasn't been helped by any of the man-made creeds of erring generations, which describe God variously as unknown and unknowable, formless, passionless, elusive, ethereal, simultaneously everywhere and nowhere at all. Certainly, that does not describe the being we behold through the eyes of the prophets, nor does it match the living, breathing, embodied Jesus of Nazareth, who was and is the brightness of his glory and the express image of his Father. In that sense, Jesus did not come to improve God's view of man nearly so much as he came to improve man's view of God. One of the greatest gifts that we have from Christ, aside from his atonement, is the example that he set of who our loving Father in heaven is. Let's not forget God so loved the world that he sent Christ so that we could see him, believe in him, trust him, follow him, and by so doing come to know our loving God in whose image and character Christ was made. Now, continuing on in Hebrews chapter 1, Paul is going to teach that 
Christ and his word and his example is higher than the prophets, and that it's also higher than the angels of heaven. In fact, he even says that the angels aren't asked to sit at God's right hand, but Christ is. And he teaches us something really, really neat about the angels of heaven and what they do. Verse 14, it says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? I love the principle and the concept of ministering angels. We believe as a church, we believe in the ministering of angels. We believe in a thin veil that separates us from the angels and that they can intercede on our behalf. It's my belief that if we have eyes to see and that if we pay attention we can be aware of the times when ministering angels are near and are helping us. Listen to how Elder Hafen once said it. He said, Some of these personal visits are dramatic and powerful. Think of the angels who ministered to the Nephite children, or the angel who chastised Alma and Mosiah's sons in answer to a father's prayer. Other personal manifestations have been so quiet that those who received them were unaware of the angelic presence. The ministry of those unseen angels is among the most sublime forms of interaction between heaven and earth, powerfully expressing God's concern for us and bestowing tangible assurance and spiritual sustenance upon those in great need. My friends, our loving, compassionate, merciful Father in heaven is aware of us. We see his character as we study Christ. And because he loves us and because of his compassion and mercy, he sends ministering angels to work among us, to lift us up, to bless us in our times of need. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.